Hey guys, welcome to WDW19 Alert. I am your host, Joe Hogarty, and joining me tonight is Jack McCarthy. Howdy, folks. And Fedra Ekris might be joining us. We're not sure yet, but we've got the mic open for her just in case. So we'll see. But right now, it's just Jack and I, and we will be... Actually, our main topic, we're going to do another main topic. And the first one that we're going to do is... Well, actually, no, I'm not going to do it first. We're going to do uh, how we fix the MCU or Marvel. And then we're also going to go through the best Aunt Mays. <laughs> and uh, I'd seen that on Reddit. I found it amusing. And uh, I think it would be fun to go over that. I think we, we probably did go over that at one point. But let's go over it again. Um, <laughs> okay. I had uh, I saw the Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse came out in digital. I watched it again. It's It's a very good movie. It's not perfect, but it's very good. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought they did a terrific job with both of them. I mean, I did like the first one more than the second. Um, and even though I'm not into that, like, super stylized animation, um, it just goes so well with the story. You know, that it... it I think they just hit the right note of, you know, like comic slash animation style and story and voice acting. I Like I said, I really think those are terrific movies. I just know if you want to sell a TV at Best Buy, put that movie on there. It just looks incredible. <laughs> it, it just like pops out. It's almost like living 3D. It is. It's and it's I'm just the more I watch it, the more I'm amazed. And like, you've seen so much animation before. They do such a good job at animating Miles, you know, like with his mask off. He just looks so good. You know, uh, I'm just impressed with the whole damn thing. Uh, the, you know, I mean, I think we've discussed this. The ending's a little bit like Silence of the Lambs. Well, I mean, it sets it up pretty dramatically, but yeah. then, but then the payoff of you know the old team coming back together is just you know, you're like, oh come on, I well, won't have to wait for next the next part. <laughs> well, just like Gwen being in Miles's universe, and then I guess Miles is in the uh, Earth forty two universe. Uh, but they, you know, they they played it off perfectly. But it is a lot like Silence of the Lambs. But it's, uh, and you know, as I was watching it again, the, the Miles. So the Miles in the uh, Forty Two Universe, that one, he doesn't have any powers. He's just the Prowler, right? I, you know what? I don't know. I mean, the Prowler all by himself. I mean. Let's face it, he had a lot of cool gadgets, um, you know, where he's climbing walls, he's jumping around like crazy. Is it the gadgets or does he actually have spider powers? Well, the spider that was meant to bite this Peter Parker in that universe never appeared in that universe. It appeared in Miles' universe. So there is no Spider-Man. So there is no super-powered being with spider power. So I think he's just the prowler miles in this universe. Um, 
but he Miles is like tied to the the heavy bag. He can kick both of their asses so easily. He's probably going to do the move that Peter did when he was tied to the heavy bag, you know, like where he was able to get the ropes off in the first movie. He could yeah. probably just pop them off. <laughs> he doesn't have to wiggle out of them. He could snap them. I will say the one thing I did not appreciate was Miles basically defeating the whole Spider-Verse. Every single Spider-Man that chased after him, which apparently was like about 200 of them. I, You know what? I don't think he defeated them. It was more like he was running for his life and got away. I guess so, but he's got that the extra power of like the, what do they call it? Is it the venom? The camouflage. Well, he's, well, he's got, got the camouflage, camouflage and then he's got the, uh, the, uh, venom, venom strike strike. Is that what it's called? Venom strike. I guess you could call it that. I, I you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, but it, it's still, it's such a great movie and I love the score. I'm never crazy about like, modern music and i still am not in this uh you know what they do like sometimes they do rap sometimes they do i guess regular pop if you want to call it that anyway it's, it's a good friggin' movie have you seen the flash no i have not and do, do you have hbo max no i don't have max oh, okay maybe that's i guess that's why even um, though even though we were discussing today uh at lunch my wife and i um I think Ahsoka is the last chance for me in Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. If Ahsoka sucks, I'm done. Because you know, if I if I want to watch any Star Wars movies, I have them on Blu-ray. I'll pop in a Blu-ray. But uh, I'm ju- I'm just about done. I'm so disgusted after Secret Invasion, and same thing. If if Ahsoka isn't it it's just not worth having because it's it's not like i enjoy watching it well it's definitely problematic my biggest problem like i said before there's just it's too woman orientated like they released a, a bunch of character posters and i think there were six of them only one of them was male and i think it was that guy uh what's his name ray stevenson was that the one that passed away recently um, ray stevenson passed away he, he was the Punisher. He was in, uh, he was one of the Warriors three. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. He did pass. Yeah. He's in this series. Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I hope it's good. She looks good. I mean, Sabine just, looks good. Sabine looks good. And I like her as well. Yeah. I know you didn't like, you don't like the look of her, but uh, I do. I haven't been following it too much. Ever since Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> no, I, I, I love her and Scott Pilgrim. Um, I but yeah, but I'm just, like I said, I'm just, I, I, I'm so sick of trying to get like psyched up for the Disney Plus shows and being disappointed. And um, yeah, this is it. You'll, you'll have to get Fedra to subscribe to Disney Plus and watch it. <laughs> you know. I, I'm if this if they, if they don't do better, don't start do better and start doing better. You know, I'm done, well, especially since they upped the price again. Yeah, well, we'll talk, we might talk about that later. OK, um, 
But anyway, let's get back on with it. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I just wanted to say, too, I, I haven't been following too much. I didn't see the recent trailer that they released. Um, but I heard that she might be fighting Anakin again. And I don't know if he's Anakin or if he's Vader. And if well, she it beats, could be a flashback scene. It could be a flashback, but I don't want to see her beat him, you know. Uh, I want to see her ass get handed to her. Well, you remember that, that, uh, what was that animated series that had Ahsoka in it? Um, you know, it was new. And, uh, well, I mean, she was, oh, no, remember she was the Jedi. Yeah. She, see, you know, she got her ass kicked, which I appreciated, you know, not because I want to see her get her ass kicked. I just don't want to see her as super powerful, the greatest Jedi ever that lived next right. to Ray. <laughs> You know, um, so there has to be some flaw in her and uh, she can't well, be perfect. It's, it's, it's not a flaw that she goes against the great, the most powerful Jedi that ever lived. Oh, no, that's not what I'm saying. Religion. That's not a flaw. No, I'm not saying I'm just saying like, you know, like how Anakin had his flaws. Luke had his flaws. Obi-Wan had his flaws. She's got to have something. She can't be like the perfect Jedi, like how they tried to make Ray like into the perfect Jedi, which by the way, I was just watching the force awakens before we came on here. Man, it's so sad. Cause I, I really enjoy that movie. That movie is still very good. You know, the cinematography, like the beginning, like when they, uh, when you first see Kylo Ren and he goes on that planet and he orders that they kill all those people there. <laughs> it's just so good. And I've seen that, Seven times, you know, in theaters, and it's just what did they do? It it's like they yeah. they started out with a home run, and then <laughs> they just lost the game. And, you know, and, and the same thing. I mean, Daisy uh, Ray has been criticized for being a Mary Sue, but the thing is, in that movie, she's so earnest and likable you don't I, you don't really mind it that yeah much. yeah and, and i wouldn't say she's a mary sue in that one i mean the only thing that they'll say well how does she know to use, how to use a lightsaber like that well um, i mean she you know bypasses whatever auxiliary switch in the falcon you know uh that's fine that's fine i got nothing wrong with, you know no she that. uh knows how to operate the hatch door so she saves finn from the uh blobby monster with tentacles um you know but the thing is she does it and then she's like wow that really worked you know she doesn't come across as say a flea bag in indiana jones yeah she doesn't like where she's arrogant and you know self-aware that she's the best thing since sliced bread you know um yeah like like she, like she, she sells it she sells it very well in well the first two movies I, I, that and the last jedi which i yeah, don't think is very likable is is terrific even though it has its haters um but she's likable i mean that's why people like don't oh we don't want to see another ray movie come back I'm fine with seeing Ray come back. I don't have a problem with that. I just hope they do something better with the character. That's all. I'd like yeah. to see the further adventures of Ray. Yeah, I just see. 
The other two guys I couldn't care about, but I'd like to see the further adventure. It depends on who she trains. It's like my concern is that two of her students are going to be Poe and Finn because they have uh, force sensitivity crap powers that I hate that BS. I don't know if Lucas came up with that, but I hate that. You know, it's like Lucas, came up. Lucas was gone by the time all that came up. That's a J.J. Well, Abrams and Kathy Kennedy. Well, no, 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 no. Force sensitivity. I don't know if that was in the comics or or in the novels or whatever, but I'm not sure if. Oh yeah, that that's been that's been part of. Um... Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. I hate. I don't like that. It's like, you know, you're like the force light. It's you're not Ray, but you're you're better than. Uh, I don't know. Well, no, like, it just means Han Solo. You you have an innate feeling. You don't know how to use it, but you have the innate feeling like you know someone might be duplicitous in their uh, interactions with you. You know, you've got a very strong hunch. I mean, that goes all the way back to uh, heck the old West End Star Wars games. Um, you know, you can be force sensitive, but you just don't. You can't be deflecting blaster bolts or doing crazy feats, but you have an inkling and maybe some uh, base level empathy, you know, to just have very strong hunches. I mean, and with training that can develop into, you know, being able to use the force, but force sensitivity is just having a good hunch about things. That was like the Donnie Yen and Rogue, Rogue One, right? Who's that? Donnie Yen, the oh, Asian guy. That that's I that's the for no, he I think he's able to use the force, but he doesn't use it the same way a Jedi does. He's a force user, but not a Jedi. Yeah, he's not a Jedi. No, but uh yeah, that's a little bit more than force sensitivity, I think. Where okay. you can effectively be blind and just navigate the world <laughs> without a problem. You know, it's funny. Like, I go on Reddit a lot, and a lot of things that I see, like I'll see Marvel, Star Wars, Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, and uh, they keep, like, suggesting things to me. And one thing that they keep suggesting to me are, are the, the Snyderverse thread. <laughs> or, like, it's not, not a thread. It's a group. And those guys are out of their minds. It's just so crazy that they keep defending this guy it's like he's their god it's it's like a cult like one guy came up with uh, all of the revenue that was created by Zack Snyder uh, through the DCEU and compared it to like the revenue that happened after they got rid of him and like how much pro it, it just was like why are you doing this it's like number one he's not coming back you know uh, like they just want to say just how how perfect he was for DC and DC blew it and that they don't think that James Gunn is going to be anywhere near as successful as Snyder, which it's we'll see. I'm still not sure about that either. I <laughs> think know? we have to see. But you know what? I'm I'm a little. I think James Gunn does great with quirky characters that aren't as well known um it should be interesting to see how he does with like an icon like superman 
I think James Gunn has got a huge head right now. Like he thinks like he is the huge I am. And he did good with the Guardians movies. What did he do before that? Did he do like Slither? Um, maybe not. I, maybe that was the guy who did Doctor Strange. Yeah, but he I, did, you know what? I'm I'm not even I'm not sure. Like he didn't do I much. Looking up, I'd be like, oh, I know that movie, but it doesn't come to mind. But you know, I like I said, he sold me after Guardians. I liked Suicide Squad too. You know, because as a goofy movie, it was a was a great cinematic art. No, but you know what? It was goofy and it was fun. Um, it was better than the first one for sure. It was better, definitely better than the first one, but that's not saying much. <laughs> There's rumors that we're going to get the director's cut of the first Suicide Squad movie, and I just don't want to see it. Well, that's the beauty of having a TV that turns on and off. You don't have exactly. to watch things well, you I, want to watch, Joe. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying I just don't want to see it exist. So that they can elevate this person, David Ayer, I think his name is, um, because you you know you screwed up the first time. I mean, you like say you you shot four hours of film, and Warner Brothers said, "Well, we only want two hours of it. So give us a cognitive story within two hours, because we don't need four hours of BS and people falling asleep in in their seats." <laughs> and 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 then when it bombed at the theaters, it's like, well, if my true vision was shown this would have been an A-plus movie. You know, it's, no, you, you should be able no, to. No, the Snyder cut wasn't that big of an improvement over the original cut. Agreed. I, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it, it, there's some cool scenes in it, you know, but four hours is an awful long time to sit through a movie. Like, I could sit through Gone with the Wind, but I'm going to sit through the Snyder cut. Um. No, I mean, it, it's just, and like I said, the parts, I will say he got Superman right, I think, the best in Justice League. But the problem is there just wasn't that much Superman in the movie. No, that was uh, Josh Whedon. Oh, that was Whedon? Whedon got him right. Oh, okay, well. Because uh, the, the, the Superman that Snyder did in the uh, Snyder Cut was dark. And he wore the black Superman suit, Kryptonian suit. And then the one that Whedon did, he was the one that was racing against the Flash, calling him the slow poke, you know, saying, I got to go save the people. You know, he was the lighthearted Superman that we always wanted to see, you know. But they well, still... That they, was Whedon, then Whedon got Superman right. He did, all, he, 100%. All his problems, he got Superman right. It was also funny. I was reading that a lot of people are starting to turn against Spider-Man Spider No Way Home. It's kind of like my rise of Skywalker. People are finally starting to say, you know what? Did you turn black and white? Actually, uh, the light bulb went out. Oh, my okay. Lamp. Okay. All right. All right. So <laughs> it's it's. Nerd alert in the dark. Whoa. Well, <laughs> well, no one else can see you but me. Um, it looks scary. It looks like the Blair Witch Project. Uh, anyway, my point is I, I heard that a lot of people have remorse over praising Spider-Man Spider No Way Home. After they've seen it several times, they're like, you know what? That really wasn't a good movie. And I'm like, 
I said that the first time. I so and I've been wanting I've to watch it, it times and I still like it. So uh, sorry. I don't like it. All right, let's get into it. All right. So we're gonna go through the best Aunt Maze, which is not saying much. You know, it's actually probably the least offensive Aunt May we're looking for in this what, category. What do you mean the least offensive Aunt May? Aunt May is a none. great character. No, no. Really- Aunt May is a great character, but nobody has really portrayed her fantastically. But there has been several. So so there was Rosemary Harris. She was in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Your personal movie. favorite. Yeah, I got to admit she's my personal favorite because she's an old bag. You know, and that's what Aunt May should be. She should be even older than that. Aunt May, when you look like and when Aunt you May see her older than Rosemary Harris. Well, you look at her in the comics, like when I was reading her in the comics, she looked like the crypt keeper, you know. <laughs> she was just like all skin and bones, and that's like, oh, she's gonna die this issue for sure. But she lasts a, a long ass time. You remember that old Aunt May? I remember old Aunt May, yes. I think she was toothless, you know, or she had teeth. They were definitely dentures. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty old. Yeah, um, she was extremely old. S- Sally Field. What do you think of her? Now, here's the thing. Um, I like Sally Field. I really like her. Um, however... <laughs> um, they just made her look very worn out, just very rough looking. Um, and even though, you know, she is she is up there in age, um, they meant I think they just intentionally just made her look very uh very rough. You know, and uh as far as the character goes, I thought she was okay as Aunt May. Um, you see, I, I like how in Ultimate Spider-Man, Aunt May is, is a lot younger, a lot more active than what we've seen in the classic comics. And I really did like that Aunt May a lot. So sally field reminded me a lot of that aunt may from ultimate spider-man you know she was active she was still a homebody a bit but um she like i said she was just more active as opposed to you know getting on her old coat and clutching her handbag and meandering around town hitting people with their pocketbooks, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, I think Sally Field was okay, but like there, there were just problems with those movies anyway. And I don't think she was a problem with it. She was awful. Uh, part of the, she wasn't old the, and wrinkly enough for me. Well, that was one thing. Aunt May never wore glasses. She wore glasses. <laughs> yeah, she, did. she had a little, the little, uh, readers on i don't know i don't remember seeing that um that's being very nitpicky no this is my big problem and i and i heard about this i read about this a few years ago or several years ago that sally field said she never wanted to play aunt may and i think it was amy pascal who is like the sony big wig and she does the spider-man movies 
she was friends with her and she begged her to be Aunt May and she kept saying no, no. And she kept throwing more money at her. And she's like, all right, all right, I'll do it. And she's just like, I really didn't want to do it. I have no idea who the character is. I didn't read any of the comic books, but I did it as a favor to her. And it's like, don't tell me this. It's like, I don't even want to know that, you know, it's uh, because like her heart wasn't in it at all. And you can see that on the screen that it was just a paycheck for her. I think that's that's with a lot of actors in their roles, but you know, um, I, like I said, I, she didn't bother me too much. I don't think she was that big a part in the movies, those two movies. So, um, like I said, I, she didn't bother me in that. Oh, then we got the next one is Marissa Tomei. The best Aunt May ever in my book. Uh, worst Aunt May in my book. I'm well, even at the worst. She's no Rosemary Harris. I I just don't. I just don't agree. Sorry. First of all, uh, she did not win the Oscar for My Cousin Vinny. Uh, what's his face? I can't think of his name now, but he uh, he was an old man and he probably wanted to hook up with her. And so he gave her the award and then they they hit it. It's all corruption. It's this huge corruption thing that they've done and they've hit it because she's never done another movie like that. You know, she's never won, never been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, she, I mean, and again, we did this, I think um, she was fantastic in my cousin Vinny. But we looked at the people that she was nominated against, and there's no way, you know, it's that she should have won. It's either like all these people were high that were voting for her, or she had dirt on them, or it was. Oh my God. Wasn't she like 20 years old at the time of my cousin Vinny? I can't see her out there, you know. Hey, Meryl, you know that weekend you spent in Tijuana? I've got a video of it, you know, like, no, I, I don't believe that. But, you know, the Oscars is such a political mess anyway. Uh, if people get it, they get it. I think a lot of people get these awards that don't deserve it, but of who they are and who good, how good their agent is. So I don't know, but I think Marissa Tomei is terrific. My cousin Vinny, she was, she was great in. I liked her a lot as Aunt May. So, oh, it was it was Jack Palance. He's like, hey baby, how about you and me afterwards, do a little lip lock? <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's what it was. In your weird little world, I guess that's what it may have been to you. Seemed like to you. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to her performances. Uh, Aunt May. So they call her Hot Aunt May. And I guess if you compared her to the four that we're talking about, yeah, she's yeah, probably Marissa Tomei is just so darn ugly. I know. She, she's I, a nice I'd rather, to look at. I'd rather be, you know, doing, be doing stuff with her than Rosemary Harris myself. Um, <laughs> hey, that's ageist. Sorry. But I still think she's a better Aunt May, Rosemary Harris. Um, 
but I don't think she was that hot. Like where like these Asian waiters were buying her, giving her free Chinese food, and uh, Ned had a crush on her, and it's like she's still old, you know. And then like all these idiots were in love with her, like Tony Stark. What a moron! Happy. As, well, Tony Stark was in love with Gwyneth Paltrow. He's got a problem right then and there. You know, it's like when you think of all the women he could have been with, and he chose Gwyneth Paltrow. Big mistake. Big mistake. I don't know, Joe. You're the only only person I know that can have a a problem with how Marissa Tomei looks. I I don't know. Well, and I'm just saying, you know, she looked good when she was in My Cousin Vinny and uh, Chances Are and a, and a couple other movies that she was in. But, you know, she's getting up there in age, you know, but she's not Aunt May old, you know. Yeah, but if you look at it, if you look at it now, at our age, you know, uh, we have friends who have kids who are about the age of Peter Parker in the comic books. You know, which means you're an aunt or uncle in your 50s. Okay. None of us look like Rosemary Harris in our 50s. Thank God. You know, none of us look that old. Well, that Aunt May, she had to be <laughs> when was it Amazing Fantasy 27? Was that the, the issue? She had to be pushing 85 at that point. <laughs> You know, and when she died, she was probably 120. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like the math, that math that Stanley used back in the 60s, you know, that that doesn't work anymore. So if you're going to have a newer Spider-Man out there, you don't have a 120 year old Aunt May. Grandma may be 120 years old, but your aunt isn't. You know, so. I, well, again, we've had this discussion before. There's no reason why. Uh, what was it was Peter's Parker's father? What was his name? Was it Peter? Peter Parker's father. Yeah. Jeez. You know what? I don't. Wow. I'm stumped. I'll have to look it up. I know. Richard? Was it Richard? It might have been Richard. Um well, Ben was his brother, right? Right. Um, so let's say Ben just happened. You know, Ben was uh, was born 30 years before him. It's possible. Ben and was Ben was born 30 years before Richard. And his parents thought everything was cool. We're not going to have a kid again. And then all of a sudden, boom! I I, I think you're 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 good. That's that's kind of Ben and Richard's mother are like, oh, crap, I'm 55 years old and I'm pregnant. Uh, <laughs> that's that's pushing it by, by a, a long shot. But OK, well, makes sense. I'm just telling you for an old Aunt May, anything it's possible. I just like old Aunt May. I'm sorry. It's like, you know, she's like a little clueless where you know peter will climb in through the window and then she'll hear a bang and she's like who is that you peter and she can't run up the stairs because she could barely walk up the stairs you know 
I mean, if it was young Aunt May, she'd come flying through the room. So that's why old Aunt May was created, you know? It's like, so Peter could have some time changing into his clothes and taking off his web shooters. I don't know. Well, anyway, we'll go back to Marissa to me. So, so my problem is like she found out his identity too soon. Because I don't think Aunt May knew. Well, she might have known, but she never revealed that she knew. I, and I think that was the that was the general consensus when you know, like Peter Parker and, and Aunt May in the comics had to talk several times about you know how she knew and the reason she was always so worried, you know, was not that, you know, he'd catch a cold outside that she was worried he'd end up killed by some of the uh, guys who was fighting and what he was doing, you know? So, I mean, they've had that conversation in the comics several different times, you know, and of course it's always like a big reveal of Aunt May knows. Well, you know, 50 issues ago, she told him that, she knew so um you know even in the comics aunt may wasn't that oblivious all the time well it, in the toby Maguire one spider-man 2 when he gave up being spider-man because he lost his powers and uh she was talking to peter and she's like she goes well little, little billy you know who his hero is spider-man and she really misses him she definitely was implying like yeah, he wants you back. We want all want you back, you know. Um, so I think she kind of knew in that movie that he was Spider-Man. But Marissa Tomei ends up saying the F word, and she reveals that she knows about him in the first movie, and then she starts using him for charity, uh, and then she starts sleeping with his boss, and it, it's just a horrible Aunt May. I, and then she, then thank God, agree, she, but okay. thank God, thank God, she did us all a favor and she died by her own fault. I would say, you know, it wasn't really the Green Goblin, just her stupidity. I, what, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? It wasn't the Green Goblin. The well, guy he, is is a lunatic throwing around grenades. It's, well, it's not, it's not her fault that the grenade flew towards her. Well, she should have ran. You know, it's like. What do you want me to tell you? Anyway, I was glad she died. Not uh, me. I was sad to see her go. I was so well. You need some kind of depth, you know. Someone's got to die. Like Nick Fury should have died in Civil War, and then we wouldn't have had Secret Invasion. And, and can I say what I usually say to that argument? What? That is lazy writing. If you need to kill somebody off to give, you know, some sort of depth to your scene or your movie, then that's just lazy writing. That's an easy way out of it. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Nick Fury. First of all, he had a ton of bullets in him. And then when he was in, in um, Steve's apartment, he got shot again. And, and that also was a fake out. It was a fake out that he got shot again the second time. No, that the whole scene where he died in the hospital. I know it was a fake out, but he should have died. He definitely got plugged by bullets. And then he was like, I'll just dig a hole in the ground and just, you know, go through the sewer. It's like, yeah, whatever. He should have died. I'm sorry. I, You know, that pissed me off a lot in that movie to see that he came back because he should have been dead. And I just haven't liked him since because 
Or don't watch Secret Invasion because I I don't like them. No, I won't. Anyway, uh, oh, the other one. So the other one that we got here is Lily Tomlin, who's in the Spider Verse. You see, I, I, I don't know if you could really count her as an Aunt May with the other ones because that is such a different character. How she's like an agent of Shield and with a secret lab and a high tech genius. Uh, that that well, I loved it in the movie. That just kind of goes like off the wall a little bit as far as Aunt May goes. Agreed. It, it's uh, they made her like Ripley, you know, where yeah, or, you know, like the same way where she uh, kicks Lady Octopus out of her house, and you know she knows her because she's talk calling her by her first name, but you know she's like you know Louise, get out of my house, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, she should have been hiding underneath the dining room table and peeing, you know, not like picking up a baseball bat and swinging it at the scorpion or whoever she hit. That's what I mean. That was just such an off the wall Aunt May that I don't I don't think she belongs on the list with the other ones. And we could attribute that to the fact that it was a different universe. So maybe that's the way she was, but I never liked her. You know, it's like, it, it's just, again, it, you know, they, it's almost like they're like, let's make Aunt May into like a super Aunt May in this movie. And you didn't need to do that. You know, she could have still been Aunt May and said, Oh yeah, Peter had something in the garage in the shed over there, you know, that uh, used to keep private. You might want to look in there, but she's like, she halfway developed half of his stuff, I think. Yeah, know? but you see, that was that was like off the wall shock value kind of thing, you know, where it was fun. It was funny seeing an Aunt May who, you know, can build Tony Stark level equipment. I guess so. So anyway, the winner is Rosemary Harris. <laughs> what? No, <laughs> Marissa Tomei wins hands down. Right. Well, you like her. I like Rosemary Harris. And, you know. We must agree to disagree. I would say my favorite is the one in the comics. You know, that looks like a living skeleton at times. No, Um, my favorite Aunt May is Ultimate Aunt May. Ultimate Aunt May. Well, now I remember From Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Aunt May. But she's kind of like, you know, a mixture of Marissa Tomei and Lily Tomlin. I would say. I mean, her age-wise. Age-wise, yeah, but Aunt May in the Ultimate uh, Universe, you know, she she was an older woman, true, um, but you know what? She had such a big heart, like um, when they brought uh, Gwen Stacy back. You know, they did their own version of the Clone Saga where, you know, a clone of Gwen Stacy... Gwen Stacy came back, you know, like ultimate Aunt May took her in because she was like, you poor girl, like she had mercy on people and would give them a break and try to help them. Like when the Gwen Stacy clone had nowhere else to go in the world, you know, May was like, you know, I have plenty of room. You can come here and live with us. Or she took in, uh, 
Bobby Drake at one point when when uh, Bobby Drake left the X Men. You know, she knew he was friends with Peter, and she's like, you know what? As long as you behave yourself, you know, you're not going out on the streets. You're you're coming home, and you're having, you know, a decent place to live. You know, that was the Aunt May. Aunt May was definitely like a responsible adult, you know, who tried to help kids out. And like I said, she was that whole run of Ultimate Spider-Man was just terrific. Bendis did such a great job with that character, the supporting staff, uh, supporting cast. Sorry. Um, you know, the whole run, it, it, I think it's it's up there with one of my favorite runs uh, in comics of all time. I think I stopped reading it uh, when Venom was around. And even that, they gave Venom an interesting, it was a different take on Venom. You know, like they took it out of, you know, the space creature coming down. You know, he was a monster developed by science, but he was never quite the uh, Venom we saw in the regular comics. I didn't like the Green Goblin either. He was too much like the Hulk. Yeah, it was a different take on the Green Goblin as well, but um, I did like it was an interest. It was an interesting take on the Green Goblin because, you know, even when the Sinister Six formed, uh, it was like if Joe Fix it, the Hulk was running a group of supervillains, you know, because he was he bullied everybody, (laughs) you know, like here it is, you're bullying Doc Ock. And the Sandman and Electro, because he knew he was the biggest, strongest guy, and he wasn't going to take any guff from them. So, I mean, I, I like I said, even Ultimate Green Goblin had his place. Was he the classic Green Goblin? No, but you know, he definitely had his moments as well. No, I, I did like the series too. I liked first of all, I love the artwork. Well, exactly the guy. And, um, and, you know, I like Peter, like a younger Peter in high school. And um, it and was we good. Even got to know Ben, ben Uncle Ben. You know, Uncle Ben was in like the first five issues. And you're like, oh, you know what? Yeah, everybody kind of wishes he had like a, a cool Uncle Ben, you know, in his life. You know, you could see why he was such a beloved figure to Peter versus, you know, a handful of panels and amazing fantasy 15, you know, you got to know uncle Ben a little bit more. And, um, I can, I, I think it was just that series was full of some great moments. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our main, main topic. So how would you fix Marvel Jack for me? I'm giving you what? the keys. Yeah, well, you know, I'm kind of glad we're covering this because so many podcasts right now, all they do is trash what's happening. But very, very few are actually giving, you know, any sort of insight of like, hey, you know what might be good? And you know what? I might throw some stuff out there and there's a listener be like, oh, Jack's just full of it. You know, this this would never work. This wouldn't sell. Um but I really think what the MCU needs to do 
is take an approach like the comics where if you're picking up a Spider-Man comic book, the odds are you are getting Spider-Man. Sometimes you might get a team up, you know, or there might be a mention of what's happening in another comic, but you concentrate on Spider-Man and his supporting cast. You don't do that by bringing in a Doctor Strange, a Tony Stark, a Happy Hogan. Happy Hogan belongs with Iron Man. He really, he, you know, even though it was played kind of light and it was funny, um, I think now that they have a fresh start with Spider-Man, just keep it as a Spider-Man movie. You know, don't have other heroes popping up as guest stars or just, you know, making a cameo. Just concentrate on Spider-Man. The same way as, you know, they used to say, it's like, well, you know, if Captain America is fighting in New York, how come Tony, how come Iron Man just isn't swinging by when he sees it on the news? Okay, that really doesn't happen in the comics. Captain America goes... Captain America has his own rogue gallery and he's fighting his own fight on his own. I think that's what they need to start doing. You know, you want to be interconnected, interconnect the Spider-Man movies. Don't interconnect with Dr. Strange. Don't interconnect with um, Iron Man or the same thing. Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange is some great villains on his own. You know, I know, and bringing Wanda in, um, even though she did a terrific job, I mean, she uh, Olsen really pulled it off as a good villain. She did a great job in that. Um, but you don't need to really bring in the American Chavez into it as well. Just stick with Doctor Strange being Doctor Strange with his own villains, Dormammu, Baron Mordo, um, Nightmare. You know, stick with that. I think that's what the MCU needs to get back. Stop thinking down the line of bringing everything together into an Avengers movie, a huge team-up movie. We've seen that, and it was great. But trying to re in them trying to recreate that magic again, they're doing a crappy job of it. You know, yeah. make make a movie that stands on its own. Um, that's the first thing I would do. You know. Well, do you want me to? You well, you can hop in for one as well. So so I'll do one. You do one. Okay. So, so. All right, first thing I would do, I'd fire Kevin Feige right away. You know, I'd call him in my office and say, you're fired, you know. Um, he was, I don't even know if, how responsible he was for the first three phases or if he had good people around him. But he really brought in, he created a lot of problems. Like, when there's a problem, the one thing you want to do is you want to stop the bleeding. He never did that. or And it could be, you know, Iger or Chapek or whoever you want to blame too, that they wanted to go that path. But at some point you have to say, this isn't working. 
But instead, they're like, no, we'll be all right. We're Marvel. You know, we'll recover somehow. And besides, you know, it, we didn't lose money. But then when they started losing money, it's like, well, it's our first one, you know. And it's just like it's not the same. Like when you watch Ant-Man 3 and you go back to the old movies, they aren't the same. And there were some duds in, in phases one through three, too. But again, it's it. Anytime there was a dud, the next movie was better, you know, and it's like they learn from their mistakes. And these people are not learning from their mistakes. And not only was he responsible for phase four and phase five looks like a complete disaster. I don't see anything that looks good in phase five. Yeah. He uh, also was responsible for everything on Disney Plus, you know. And I hate to say it, but it's like we say this all the time. I'm sure people are getting sick of this. It's this whole woke agenda crap. It's like, do we really need to do this? You know, like, I know you're trying to get, you know, it could be, it, it's either they're trying to branch out and get more of an audience that normally wouldn't watch this stuff or cater to a specific audience, or it's that's how they feel. You know, and that's they want to express their politics, their views onto the big screen. It's like, well, you know, now that we're in control of Marvel, we need to push this on the public so that they think like us, you know. And you you can still have a good show without having to push all of that stuff. It, you know, I think that they need to stay away from politics it's hard with captain america but you can stay away from politics with the hulk thor uh you know several marvel characters spider-man um and i i think that that's important i i would stop at the disney plus stuff it's it just nothing is like i, I want to watch again like loki season two is coming out I really want to watch it. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, I'll probably watch it, but I, I wasn't a fan of the first one. I feel like they killed off Loki. Now they brought him back and they're just ruining his legacy. He's not the character he was in the first Thor movie and in the first Avengers movie. Um, well, I think that's because they were catering to uh, all the fans who just loved Tom Hiddleston so much. Oh, Loki's not a villain. He's just misunderstood. No, he was going to wipe out a whole planet full of people. Granted, they were frost giants, but still, he was going to commit genocide by wiping out an entire race of people living on a planet. Oh, he was going to enslave so us. That's kind of a tough thing to redeem yourself from. That's a villain. But it, you see, it's okay to redeem yourself. I like Loki did and then die, you know? So you can think fondly. I was like, well, you know, at least his, his last act was a good act, you know, but to keep him around and make him nicer and nicer and nicer each time. It's not, it's not good for a villain. Um, it's rare when a villain turns good that he becomes a good character. You know, it's, it's better when a good guy turns bad, you know, like I, I loved when when Green Lantern became evil, you know. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But well, in in other but in other types of things, 
I mean, as they explained it in the comics, when uh, Thor ended for a few years, you know, and they brought him back, you know, Loki came back with the other Asgardians, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, we can't, you're a villain and everything. And he was like, all I ever wanted to do was destroy Asgard. And I did. Asgard's gone. We're back, but Asgard is gone. You know, he's like, I don't have any reason to be like that anymore. You know, he wasn't, he was still the same Loki, but he didn't have that evil motivation. He was still evil as heck, but he didn't have that motivation to screw people over all the time. You know, it's more like he went back to being a trickster, you know, and just, you know, screwing with people versus destroying them outright. And, you know, of course, that only lasted so long because once Thor brought Asgard back, you know, Loki got his motivation. <laughs> Loki got his groove back. Um, so, like, I could see in MCU where they, you know, started softening Loki a bit, you know, and building him up. But I just think they went so overboard. And then with the Loki series, they just... I, I don't know. I don't know what they thought they were doing with the character. They just ruined the character. And, and like you said, like they should pay more attention to the comics, like where where Thor was Thor for a long time, and then eventually, I don't know what happened. Like maybe they thought he was dead, and and who was the dude that took over for him with the beard and the mustache? I always forget his name. You know what I'm talking about? Uh oh, um, Thunderstrike. Yeah, who had the who he filled in for Thor for a while, and eventually he got like the powers of Thor. But you know, yeah, have it like where maybe after the first the second movie of Thor, Thor just vanishes. Like we think he's dead, but the world needs a Thor, so they bring in this guy, and he does a movie. Well, and that's that was that's what was inscribed on Eric Master's hammer. Well, his mace, you know, like he was standing in for Thor and on his his magical weapon was inscribed. The world still needs heroes. You know that like he was given this to like take the place, be the Thor for Earth, you know, while the Odin son was off elsewhere. You know, it's kind of a cool touch to what you're saying there. Yeah, and kind of like have a cliffhanger at the end of a movie where you see, like, classic Thor is back. And, you know, it's not going to go down well, you know, in the next movie. Um, but you, all right, so you go to number two. So what's your, do you have a, a number two kind of thing? Okay. I, have a, I have a number well, two thing. My, my number two uh, comes from, it's sort of similar to what you were saying. Um, I, I was listening to a couple podcasts today and reading a few articles over the last week about how the special effects people want to unionize. Oh, I, I heard that too. Right. And the reason is because they're getting blamed for why the digital effects look so terrible in not only the Disney plus stuff, 
but even on the big screen. And the explanation they're giving is, you know, they're overworked, which they probably are, okay? But the reason from that is because they're not having, they're being forced to work for directors who do not have that much experience. And, you know, this tied into something that I read a while back as well, how Feige was getting upset because as executive producer, he's been having to step in and, you know, keep helping these new directors fix their problems with the films and the series. And uh, that came back also in these talks with, with the special effects people. They're like, we work on something, we have it done, and then the director comes back and said, oh, I had to change this. And they're like, well, why did you have to change this? Well, we decided to move the story in a different direction. They should not be doing that, you know, at the point where everything's hit post-production. You know, you should have your script get your script right, and then film it. Not go and change things and switch things up as you go along. So I think they need to go back. Like phase one had a lot of experienced directors working on it. And over, I mean, we've seen it start in the last, in phase four, like, you know, what are, what, what's the credits of this guy? You know, oh, he made one movie. You know, look at the difference between the first Thor movie and, say, Shang-Chi. You know, Kenneth Branagh, who had directed for years, acted for years. Here's a heavy hitter guy with experience. Or the first Avengers. That was Chris Columbus, right? The, uh, the first Avengers? Was it Johnston? No, Captain America, the first Avenger. I think that was the guy who did the Rocketeer. Um, what was his name? Uh, uh, Johnson. Um, or Johnson. John John Joe Johnson? Joe Johnson, yeah. yeah. I'll just double but check. The same thing. That's a guy who had a number of movies under his belt. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't learning on the job. And I think that's what's happened. Marvel is hiring these hot new creative kids, you know, but you know what? The hot new creative kids, they might be great directing a short movie or a quick low budget film, but Marvel films and series are costing $200 million plus they don't have the experience to be working on films like these. And I think Marvel needs to go back. Well, the MCU needs to go back and start hiring directors that have more experience, know how to work the correct way. So this way they read a script. Okay. We're going to change this here. And then they film it, not read a script, film it, and then decide after watching it, yeah, you know what? I, I think we've got to change this guy out of here. You know, send it. let's refilm it and send it back to the digital guys. 
And then, oh, no, it still doesn't quite work. Let, let's try this. You know, it's not that they're just filming the actors. You're having these digital groups spend countless hours trying to rework this stuff. And it's, it really isn't fair. I think I, I, the more I read about it, the more these I hope these guys do get to unionize uh, that I'm rooting for them. But well, I mean, what I read is a problem, though, with the MCU that their current crop of directors are operating like this. They shouldn't be. I, I still don't I still don't understand after watching the crap fest that secret invasion was how they spent $220 million on it. It didn't look good. You know, like we've talked about it before, like it wasn't my favorite series, but how uh, the Falcon and the winter soldier, like that opening episode looked big budget. It did. I remember screen ready. There was nothing in secret invasion. that looked anywhere near that there was nothing in she hulk that looked anywhere near as good as that you know there was nothing in moon knight again nothing looked as good as the quality of the falcon and winter soldier now it's too bad for me that miniseries fell apart in the last episode because it was pretty impressive the characterization the writing the cinematography, it looked like a movie's quality series. You can't look at anything that's come out on Disney Plus since then and say, wow, that, that really looked good. Wow, that was impressive. And you didn't see Miss Marvel, right? I didn't see Miss Marvel. I, I couldn't. I, I, I wasn't. It just wasn't from the good. promos, I couldn't. I knew I wasn't going to enjoy it. Nothing about that interested me. So I didn't watch it. Even now that, you know, Disney is desperately trying to drum up attention for the Marvels by putting Miss Marvel on broadcast ABC. uh, There's just zero interest to me in that. And like I said, for a guy who's read pretty much Marvel for 50 years, um, the fact that I could start to be just so turned off with the quality of what they're doing, it, you know, it surprises me sometimes. But why? They're not having the right people in charge of these projects. You know, maybe maybe Kevin Feige's overworked. He's so busy holding hands for these uh, no, new, I- new crop of directors without the experience that he used to have that he can't get things straightened out. I don't know. Um, you know, it's, I mean, I don't know if you recall this, but like they looked at him as such a savior that they wanted him to be involved with the star Wars movie. Cause they felt he was going to be able to fix that. But I, I think he's fallen harder than star Wars or Marvel has. I mean, star Wars is bad. They're both bad, you know, but it's like Marvel was so good. And it's just like, and I do blame Feige because I recall this really pissed me off. This happened after WandaVision was over, like a couple of months after, and he was being interviewed. And they 
said, you know, why wasn't Benedict Cumberbatch in WandaVision? And he said something like, and I don't know his exact words, but he said something like, no one wants to see a white man talk down to a uh, a female or or Wanda, you know? And it's like, what? <laughs> it's Doctor Strange. You know, it's like... Doctor Strange talked down to gods. Like the, the master you know? of mystic arts. It's like, you know, why wouldn't you want him in that? You know, but but it's like he he felt that by having Doctor Strange in this series, it was going to take away from Wanda. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. It, I think he sounds like he is making a turn in the direction I don't want to see. And he did, you know. And that's like when he's like, well, you know, we we want more diversity in the MCU. We want want more inclusiveness. You know, we want like the She Hulk. We want all the writers to be female. We want the directors to be female, you know, and and that's the same. That's the same bullshit I was talking about. It's it's who you're hiring for this. The concept that you cannot have. No one but a woman could write a woman character is just it's it's ridiculous. Some of the best runs in a woman lead character comic have been by men. John Byrne on Wonder Woman, Greg Pak had Wonder Woman for ages and it was excellent. You're telling me now only a woman could possibly direct a Wonder Woman movie? No way. Well, you know, the creator of Wonder Woman was a man. Was a man as well, but you know, uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman didn't have the best start in a lot no, of No, she didn't have a lot of start, undertones when he was doing cool. it. So that's not helping our case here, Joe. Um Yeah, no, you you're you're 100% right. I think that directors are the most important aspect of a movie and story. You know, actors are kind of you want good actors, but get good directors first because they're the ones that decide who acts in these roles. They don't hire their friends, you know, like James Gunn does. I mean, James Gunn is pretty good in Guardians, but he's, he's worrying me about that Sean Gunn and uh, what's his name, Nathan Fillion, are going to play such a huge role in the new DCU. I, I know you have hate for him, but I mean, I've, I've, I've enjoyed Sean Gunn in the Guardians movies. Uh, watch, watch Guardians 3 again. I, I thought he was annoying in that one. Um but no, you're right. Directors are important. You know, I, I would first focus on the budget as to get a good director. Like, can we get Christopher Nolan? Is there any way we can get Quentin Tarantino or Martin Scorsese? I know they, they're now, not see, crazy. I don't, I don't think you need to even go. I would like to see one. You know, I, I mean, it would be wild. I honestly I couldn't I couldn't imagine what a Quentin Tarantino Marvel thing would be like because his style is so different from marvel properties but i mean you got you just got to get people who have some experience in a big budget movie if somebody you know oh i made this movie for like two million dollars and you know i i had a a a profit return of 500 percent. you know it was incredible look how productive i am well, that just means your $2 million 
movie budget and made $10 million in the theater. That's not the same as working with a $200 million budget. You know, like it was saying, you need people who have worked on projects of this scale before. Like, so like you, you know how to balance it. Like you had mentioned Kenneth Branagh when he did Thor. Prior to that, he did Hamlet and he played Hamlet and he got Oscar for Hamlet right. too. And it's like he understood what Shakespeare was like. And the first Thor was very Shakespearean, you know, where they had, you know, the, the father that both sons were trying to please. Uh, one was banished for his arrogance. The other one tried to take over while the, the father was in his slumber or dying, you know, and, and you know, Thor thought that Loki was his friend and was a, was a good brother to him. And in reality, he was looking to take over the throne. I mean, that's all Shakespeare right there, you know, and he knew how to direct it. And, and that's what they, they forget. Like, like you would, like we'd mentioned Joe Johnston and uh, John Favreau did Iron Man. And look what he's done with the Mandalorian. You know, he's. Well, he gave us two good seasons. Yeah. Two good seasons, <laughs> but he's still a good director. It's, you know, I don't even know who directed Captain Marvel and um shang chi and uh the eternals you know the first captain marvel movie you know with as time has gone on um i don't think it's badly directed i i think it's it's just its star is is just kind of unlikable and she, she is, but she's okay in the movie. I, I have no problem with her. Yeah, she's, a, she's okay in the movie, but being okay isn't kind of... She's kind of enough. like, oh, she's overshadowed the movie and the character by her being so annoying. And when I say annoying, she was annoying when they were doing the press tour for the Avengers, uh, right. Avengers Endgame. You know, it's like, you know, honey, you got nothing to do with this movie or the MCU uh, leave it to the people that have been working on these movies for, for 10 years. You know, don't answer all the questions for everybody. And don't go around saying how you can kick Thor and, and the Hulk's ass because you're more powerful than they are. You know, it's like nobody wants to hear that. And even though you make it like, well, I'm just joking. No, she's not. You know, she wants to let everybody know that Captain Marvel is could kick all their asses if she wanted to. Right. Look at me. Look at me. You know, um, and it's just like I said that that's not the problem. It's kind of everyone else in that movie is really pretty no, good. It's, a, it's a, I just didn't like the the the, uh, the gender swaps like with Marvel, and I just wish they would have followed the comic a little bit more. I didn't like the that uh, wasn't she called Carol the Avenger Danvers, and they named the Avengers after her. Um, that was on her plane. No, we I did, don't. I don't. That's, okay. did, that, that's one of those little Easter eggs. I didn't. We didn't I don't need remember, that. but we didn't need that. We didn't need uh, what's his name, uh, Nick Fury in that movie. Anyway, all right. So let me get to my number two. So okay. my, my number two, it would be a complete reboot. I'd fire everybody. You know, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Tom Holland. We'll include Tom Holland as part of the MCU even though it's more Sony um, trying to think, oh, of course, uh, what's his face? Uh, 
Mark Ruffalo. I would get rid of everybody, you know, just like create new movies. And, um, you know, Disney now owns the majority of the Marvel characters. The only one that they have problems with is Spider-Man. And they could, you know, they have worked out a deal with Sony, but they really don't need Spider-Man. They, they, they can do, they were doing the MCU fine without him. But I would have, instead of Iron Man being the first movie, I'd have Captain America be the first movie. And then I would have Fantastic Four, and then Thor, and then Iron Man, and then Hulk, and then an Avengers movies. No origin stories. You know, just have them hit. We should know after a certain amount of movies what their origin stories are. Not every superhero movie has to be an origin story. Just make it a good action movie. And then borrow, like what you said, from the comics. Some of the best stories from the comics. Oh, they have used a lot. I looked at, like... What stories could they use for movies? And I, I can't think of any, to be honest with you. I mean, they, they are going to do Secret Wars, apparently. Well, once again, Secret Wars is a huge crossover event. Yeah, that would have to come much later. You, you know, right. But, you the, introduce- but the same thing is you shouldn't spend the next 10 years building up for that crossover event. You need to entertain people now. Give people material they enjoy now or you know what? They're not going to wait around 10 years for you. That's that's just what I think is party arrogance Disney has that like, you know, oh, we could put whatever we want together. People are going to stick around. People are going to show up for these movies. Well, you know what? You're 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 learning that they aren't. It's, it's greed too, because it's like again, they used to release one Marvel movie a year, and now they're releasing more than one, and then they're releasing all these MCU stuff that it's people are getting sick of. And, and if you watch the stuff on Disney Plus, I think I think it has affected a lot of people where they're like. I'm kind of getting tired of Marvel. It's not as good as it used to be just by watching the stuff that's on Disney plus. So, well, that, but you see, that's the problem. I, I don't think that it's, it's not the quantity because for example, if I don't like Miss Marvel, I'm not going to watch the show. There are Miss Marvel fans out there who will watch the show. The problem is when the shows aren't good. That's the problem. They can have four movies a year. If those movies are good, people are going to go see them. But my point is, you know, spend a lot of time with a lot of talented people making one movie great. Just one movie great. Don't try to make three or four movies great. Try to make one movie great. You have to come back from the mess that you you started. So make a Captain America movie and make it just be great. Have it go through a lot of writers, you know, like, and have the CEO look at the movie like he used to do and see, well, this isn't working. I really like this scene. Have it, have the fans get involved somehow. Have the writers be fans. That's another thing too that we've talked about is that for some reason Marvel is against hiring people that are familiar with the characters, that they just want them to give their own interpretation of the characters. Right. And I I think that started in phase four, you know, in the, in the Disney plus series. And it's like, why? 
that's like I said, that, well, that was going to be one of my points coming up, but no, I mean, we could talk about it now, but you're right. You know, there's a reason people have read these and followed these characters for years. No one needs your interpretation of these characters when you haven't even read the source material. Once again, we'll go back to uh, Secret Invasion. The director has come out and said, you know, well, I didn't first he said he read it and thought it was very childish and, you know, beneath him to work with. Then he said, well, you know what? I was told not to read it at all. Well, which is it? Either you just didn't care and decided to give us this story of your own make-believe out of a rough draft, or you just hate the source material that we are watching the show because it's named Secret Invasion, you know, and want to see it because we love the series. You know, this is, this is like I said, this is the arrogance that they're having, and they're learning people aren't just going to show up for them. You know, I mean, same thing. I don't, th- I didn't think quantum mania was a bad movie. Um, it's moments, you know, it had it's moments, you know, and people like, Oh, the CGI looked terrible and everything. It did. I, you know, for me, I thought it looked very, you know, Kirby ish, you know, the background oh, with all these weird colors and I'm talking colors. about, I'm talking about Modoc was just awful. No, but yeah, the Modoc was pretty. There was just something off with the way the guy's face was blown up and stretched out, you know. But like I said, I mean, I thought there was a lot of cool looks to it that were very Kirby-ish. The same way in Thor Ragnarok, you know, you saw that uh, Kirby techno graphic looks in the background and in the costumes and stuff Mm -hmm. you know what there's a reason people read these comics for years and still consider this guy a great artist so you know maybe you should include that maybe don't turn your nose up at it because the people who are going to want to watch your show are people who liked that about the comics you know and they have to get back to that it's like you got to start thinking about the fans that there must be something to the comics that have kept people coming back for years. Now we might need to update it a little bit. I get you, but you cannot be, you know, ripping out the core heart of it just because this guy who's directed one movie before thinks, you know, his vision is better than, you know, what people have loved for years. I mean, it's, like I said, it's just very frustrating. Somebody's got to say no. Film well, this way. We we said it was supposed to be filmed. Well, that know? guy. First of all, he should have kept his mouth shut. You know, instead of like bragging about the things that he did, he had no respect for the source material. He had no respect for the fans. Like he called them rabid. He says, you know, it's not my job to please rabid fans. You know. Um, you know, it's more he wanted to entertain himself. He wanted to be happy with his end product, and he was happy with it. But that's not, you know, you. I guess it's like you're hired to build a house if you're a construction company, 
and the people that you're building the house for have, you know, specific expectations and plans of what they want the house to look like. And if it looks completely opposite of what they wanted, they shouldn't have to pay for it. And and that's kind of like what we are. We're the fans. We're the ones that by us going to see the movies, by us subscribing to Disney plus, you know, we're keeping these things alive and, and you should be respecting us. Don't push us away, you know, and say it's like, well, they're a bunch of rabbit fans. They have no class. It's like they have no idea what art is really like. Exactly. And and the fact that you directed one or two movies doesn't mean you know what art is either. You don't understand that your job is to entertain, not fill us with your visions of what you think is the smartest thing in the world. Don't don't try to impress us with your own self-image. Just make that damn movie and entertain us. I'll say my last thing is it, it, no more wokeness. You know, don't get politically motivated by things. You know, look at what worked and look at what didn't work. You know, and just try not to go after one particular group, but try to, you know, make, not necessarily make everybody happy, but, you know, I don't know, because if you try to make everybody happy, it's it's not going to happen. You know, I, I guess I'm wrong with that. It's just do it, the fan, do it for the fans. Don't do it for people that are non-fans that you want to come on board and then you want them to change. Like, again, it's like, oh, well, you know, Captain America, you know, he's nice, but... Eh, you know, he's been around for a while. He's a white guy. You know, can't we have him be black and, you know, maybe kill off the, the white one, you know? And um, But what about the fans that like the white one? It's like, well, too bad, you know? They'll go for it. We're Marvel. We're the MCU. They'll come back. I mean, and if you're going to make, if you're going to make uh, the Falcon Captain America, let's see him and Cap worked together for a while, you know? And we never really got to see that. We only saw it really in one movie or maybe one and a half movies. But I would like to have seen at some point more of Cap and the Falcon together, working together. And I don't know, I, I just like, I'm just tired of all this stuff. It's kind of like, you know, I hear a lot of people too talking about the Barbie movie. And it's funny how some people are super offended by it and, and other people love it. But I hear the same thing, and you've said it too, is that the beginning is really, really good, you know? and But then at some point, they push messaging too hard. I, it, I, would, I would say the first two-thirds of the movie, I enjoyed it. The last third, it just got so preachy. And you, But you know what? I think it would have been funnier if that last third of the movie they focused on pen rights and set it back on woman power. Focus it, like flip it, how the Kens have been so emasculated for so long that the Kens need rights too. And they could have made, you know, the point that the Barbies 
you know, need to be a little bit more aware, you know, and start helping to take care of the Kens a little bit more. Like they made the point of, well, hey, where does Ken live? We only have these huge houses. Where do the Kens live? As far as we know in Barbie world, Ken just lives on the beach 24 hours a day. He has nowhere. He's homeless. You yep. know? Uh, may, maybe they need to make some interest in like what Ken likes. Not that his entire life is focused around a Barbie. You know, like do a flip like that where, you know, it all becomes, you know, <laughs> Barbie fighting for pen rights. <laughs> you know, I think they could have had some serious fun with that. Uh, but instead we've got, you know, in the last third of the movie, oh, being a woman is so hard. Oh, yeah, no, you know, it's 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 the man's fault that our life is so hard. And I'm not, I'm not saying that a lot of America Ferreira's speech wasn't true. I'm not I'm not trying to minimize the hurt that women feel in those situations. I'm not I'm not trivializing it or anything. I don't mean to. But once again, we're there for entertainment. We don't need to be preached at about that. Give us a break from the preachiness because we don't we just see it and have it forced upon us so often in so many medium that we we just need a break. I think that's the problem. We just need a break from constantly being told, you know, how we should be embarrassed because we're white men. I think like uh, it should have been more of a fish out of water story. And she- that's what that's what the first two. Th- I think the middle third was like that when they went to the real world. Yeah, you know, kind of like water, and it was funny. It like, was like, genuinely like, funny, like Splash. You know, when she entered the human world, she just was enjoying things that she didn't have in her world. And I think that that's what Barbie should have done. Maybe seen like technology that didn't exist in her world, or meet people. Maybe she could have fell in love with the human. You know, uh, and she had to keep. You know, it was hard for her to keep uh, secret that she was actually Barbie and all that, and that she would be afraid that he wouldn't love her once he knew that she was a doll. You know, I just think that they didn't have to push this whole political messaging because in the end it didn't really work because it's like, you know, the, the men were jerks, but then the women became jerks by using their sex appeal and their manipulation to have them fight against each other. And then it took over, uh, what is it, their... Uh, the, the Congress or the uh, yeah Declaration of Independence of Barbie World, and they're but, like, well, even, get- even that, like, what I didn't understand is like, even if Ken came back with the whole, oh no, I'm just in the dark here, so I forgot. I saw the screen all black. Yeah. Um, even if if Ken did come back with the patriarchy book. Why did all the Barbies switch into that super subservient role where, you know, they're all, you know, they're all wearing French made outfits or like 
cheerleader or because yeah, again it was stupid because it was like it showed that they really lacked brains and and willpower and that they're easy, I don't, easily I don't... manipulated you know which is a you know because you do see women like that that when they meet a guy they completely change they're not the person that they once were but it's it just i'm saying that it, it was it was the wrong message because even like again like when they were all on the supreme court or whatever they're like well hence can't be on the supreme court you know uh maybe one day you know right. it's like wouldn't they like say well let's push for equality or something like that with the kens but it's okay because we're women and women have been oppressed so we'll still oppress the men because uh of uh, equity you know but here but here's the thing in barbie world they were the oppressors yeah until ken brought a book back and like i said i could see if there were a couple of them that maybe got swindled or talked into it even though it's kind of hard to imagine and outwitting anyone in that movie no. um but like the entire culture flipped to becoming you know subservient bimbos you know like because he brought a book back like like the whole culture flipped immediately and it was like I, like i said i just didn't get that um and like I said, I, I, I think it would be, you know, like, well, the Kens are overreacting this way because of how we've treated them, you know, and then like bring it in like, you know, Ken writes and, you know, let both sides become aware of, you know, how they're treating the other side, you know, that Kens are allowed to like things that aren't Barbie, you know, and like, the Barbies have to realize, you know, like maybe the Kens deserve some consideration. You know, like I said, I think they could have had a lot of fun with that by flipping the narrative to Ken rights versus, you know, girl power. But yeah, again, I, I didn't that might, hate it. That might just be a 50 year old white guy watching <laughs> Barbie. No, there's some, you know, again, there's some people that watch and they love it and they've probably seen it multiple times. You know, and there were things I liked about it, you know, but again, it, it, it could have been a classic and I don't think it's a classic. I think it's just the success of that movie had a lot to do with the marketing and they now they're pushing it's like, oh, Marco Robbie, Marco Robbie. It's like they could have put anybody in that role. It was more uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken, I think, was. No, was, I, th I think it was. Uh, what's her name? Margot Robbie? Margot Robbie. I think, I think she had a lot to do with the success of it, um, more so than Ryan Gosling. No, I, I disagree. But, but like I said, I enjoyed it. But you know, here's the other thing, though. I love the fact that it broke the billion dollar mark. Oh yeah, me too. You know, all this, all this talk of how oh the audiences have been trained to watch everything at home. Uh, no, people don't go to the movies. No, if you make a movie that people are going to like and are interested in due to the marketing, people are going to go to the theaters. Why Disney refuses to believe that and make excuses of, oh, we've broke, we've broken the audience because, you know, we've put everything on Disney Plus. 
if you make a product people want to see, they're going to go back to the theaters. And I don't know why they have such a hard time accepting that simple truth. People aren't going to come back to the theaters just because you slap a Marvel on it, a Marvel label on it yeah. or a Star Wars label yeah. on it. It's got to be good. And speaking of that, I saw Oppenheimer last weekend. Oh, you did? Was it good? Great movie. Okay. It's a movie you'll only watch once, but it, it's really, when you're watching it, it's really very powerful and and if it affects you like when they're doing the countdown to the uh bomb going off and the testing like here it is you know it's going to blow up <laughs> you, you know what's going to happen but you're watching it and you can actually you actually like i was actually starting to feel like you know the tension my breath getting holding my breath you know, for something I knew was going to happen, you know, they were worried that it wasn't going to work, you know, that the chain reaction couldn't be stopped and it would keep, you know, ignite the atmosphere. You know, these are the things they're worried about in it. And, you know, it didn't happen because obviously we're all still here. But just watching it, it was so it was just a powerful movie. And. Um, the guy who played young Han Solo. Oh, uh, Earhart, uh, Ardale, or I, I forget his name. Yeah, name him. Yeah, he was in it, and he was terrific. You know, he he was really good. The other thing is, while you're watching this movie, there are a lot of familiar faces that you that you know these actors from. Yeah, I know. I, I looked at the list. Yeah, as, you, as, you know, you're watching. It's like, like at one point, I'm like, "Hey, that's the guy from the Orville." <laughs> you know, Patrick is like, "Who?" I said, "The guy who's the helmet helmsman, the the red haired guy with the beard, who flies the ship." I mean, he's there. And I'm like, "There's young Han Solo." There's um, I can't now. I can't think of it all. But while you're watching the movie, you're, you're seeing so many familiar faces come in, and even though it's three hours, this is one of those movies that keeps your attention so focused. It did not feel like three hours. No, that's cool. So I would definitely recommend it to anybody who wants wants to see a good, powerful movie, but. It's not a rewatchable movie. You see it once, you know, and you're you're kind of good. <laughs> yeah. So, but like I said, once and once again, here it was. We ended up going on a Sunday afternoon because we couldn't get tickets on Friday for any show. We couldn't get tickets until like the last late night show on Saturday. Was it like? an IMAX thing or no, it was not. It was a standard movie. Wow. And like I said, the crowd turned out for it because there were not many empty seats in the, in the place, you know, and granted it's reserved seating, but there were not many empty seats. And it's amazing that there's two movies doing really well at the box office at the same time. Uh, yeah. Cause that movie, 
Well, Barbie made over a billion. This movie made over six hundred million this week. Yeah, Oppenheimer. You know, which is pretty damn good. I mean, and it still has a, it's got a shot of making a billion. You know, um, we're close to it anyway. That's right. impressive for a movie like that. Well, Barbie made a lot of money. I'm sure Oppenheimer will get Oscar nominations. Yeah, you know, all over the place. But well, you know, uh, Barbie's going to get Oscar nominations too. Yeah, you know, it's just, but you know what? But like, it's I said, like Marissa Tomei will be happy. <laughs> She'll have company. Uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, but like I said, you make movies people are going to be interested in and want to see. They will come out to the theaters. Look at Super Mario. Why did people come out to see Super Mario, but turn their noses up at the Little Mermaid? Because uh, it was a well-known character. Because uh, I, I saw it. I didn't like the movie. I didn't think it was very good. But I think that people are familiar with Super Mario and the, and the characters of Nintendo. And, it, you know. Yeah, if you, play, if you played the games, you're going to want to see the movie. Yeah. And you know what? You made a movie that people want to see. And you know what? They went to the theaters. You you told here is the story of the guy who built the atomic bomb, a historical movie. But you know what? It was well marketed that got people's interest up. And what they do, they bought their ticket and went to the movie. How come? How do you make a movie with Indiana Jones and no one goes see it? Yeah. You know? Well, not according to... This is another thing I, I heard that Disney's been doing. It's like, say, uh, like that movie um, Ele Elemental, you know? Is that oh, right. didn't, That didn't do good at the box office. Now they're saying it made a profit, which I find hard to believe. I think that they're cooking the books again. So what they do is like if that goes on Disney Plus, say like they'll they'll pay themselves. They'll play they'll pay Pixar a hundred million dollars to stream it on Disney Plus. So that means that the movie made an, an additional hundred million dollars. You know, so they're basically cheating. And they're including that as part of the profit. You know, it's like yeah, you, you know, you can't do that. You know? Well well even that too, they said, oh, you know, it, it it it's making you know it's it might make four hundred million, or whatever it was, but when that's just the production values of it, you know that doesn't include how much money you've spent on marketing it. That doesn't that well, forget, no, forget about the fact that you've you've totally missed merchandising because. The toy companies are like, we're not going to make any money on this because it's doing so poorly in, in the box office. So, you know, your merchandising has been canceled by the companies who usually make all this crap for you. And, you know, and I think around 50% of the box office goes to the theater owners. Right. So you can't even just go off of ticket sales because... That doesn't all go back to Disney. So well, they're, they're trying to save their, again, we're not going to cover any news tonight because you know, we went on for a while. Yeah. Well, they're trying to save face, but you know what? Yeah. It's, uh, if but it does, it, it does piss me off that Disney 
has done so terribly with their decision making, you know, with the theme parks, with the Star Wars Hotel, with Disney Plus, with Marvel, with Star Wars, with Pixar, with Disney Animation, with Disney Live Action movies, and that what they're going to do is a lot of people left Disney Plus because they're like, I'm just tired of it. So who's going to suffer? The idiots that stay around and they're going to charge us more money for it. You know, it's like, well, and, and this is what bothers me with Igor. Why don't you take a pay cut? You know, I mean, instead of charging us for the losses that you helped create, you know, it's like, why is this guy getting paid so much money? I guess it's like, well, it's in his contract and he doesn't have to be successful. It's just like, yeah, in two years, you have to give me $52 million, whether I produce or I don't. It's just BS. It just bothers the hell out of me. Again, when they let, they let go 7,000 people, which I think is even more now. It's, yeah, because there's multiple rounds of layoffs that happen. Yeah, it's, it's like, well, his job is secure, even though, again, a lot of the decisions that he made is the reason why this company is in such a bad shape spot right now you know it just irritates the hell out of me i did oh, want to mention it's the little guys who always get yeah hit. i mean i i well heck i mean after spending nearly 20 years in advertising you know we'd see it plenty of times where we'd lose a big account and was it the guys who pitched the business that got cut no it was the guys in accounting, the guys in IT, the guys in, you know, who help manage the account at the lowest levels. These aren't the people who lost the account. It was the the heads. And you know what? The heads got quietly reassigned to other places while all these other people got cut. It's the same, same crap all over the world. Same story every time. And why should we expect Disney to be any different? So, yeah, they, they just look like such a negative company right now. Um, and they weren't like that 10 years ago, you know, they weren't. But what's scary is they're not learning anything from it. Yeah. That's the frustrating part. They're not learning from anything. When you have a movie that should be print, just like printing your own money and it bombs why aren't you learning from that? You know, is it, it, it's stubbornness, it's arrogance. It's, I, I, I just don't know. So yeah, you know, it's a, week, let's talk star Wars. We will. Okay. <laughs> we'll screw the news. Uh, I did want to say one last thing that I wanted to see happen. Keep the friggin' masks on. And I found this out. I was, I think it was overlord that had said it, that, it's the actors that have it in their contract that they want the masks off so that the people could see them. So it's like Tom Holland. It's like, well, I want to play Spider-Man, but I want people to know that Tom Holland is playing Spider-Man, you know, so he takes it off all the time. Or, and when you, when you think about like Tobey Maguire, he kept the mask on for pretty much most of it. And also Andrew Garfield and, yeah, Toby Maguire took it off an awful he lot. He did. Well, he took it off that more than Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. He bit, kept it on quite a bit more. But it's again, you forget their names. I mean, but you know, it's Tom. Huh? But it's like, but I feel like saying it's like you know, you play Peter Parker more than you do Spider Man in the movie. You, know, they see your freaking face. They know who you are. 
why can't you just keep on? It's another one. They don't understand what the fans want. I don't want to see Miles with his mask off. I don't want to see Peter with his mask off. Just leave that damn thing on. If you want to do anything, maybe cut like a like the lizard scrapes his eye, and there's a you can see his eye. You know the the white part is missing, but you see like the flesh of his eye. That's fine. But don't take the mask off like when you have to talk to Tony Stark. And Tony Stark, don't take your mask off to talk to Peter. It's like we – I just – I hate that. Well, Tony yeah. Stark always had the cheat of, you know, we had, you know, helmet vision. Well, yeah, but that's, that, that's fine. But, but again, I just wish that – I mean, I was so glad in Endgame that Cap kept his mask on while he was fighting Thanos that time, you know. I keep thinking what it would have been like. It still would have been cool. Like if he had, you know, Mjolnir, but he, you saw Chris Evans face, but it looked like Cap was fighting with Mjolnir, not Chris Evans fighting with Mjolnir. It's just leave the masks on. You know, it's like, don't be so vain that you have to show your damn face so that it's, it's Tom Holland's Spider-Man. It's not Spider-Man, you know? Well, the, Spider-Man is a different case, though, kind of, because Spider-Man has a secret identity. Captain America is Steve Rogers. Everybody knows he's Steve Rogers, you know. So if Cap takes off his, his helmet, it's not as big a deal as Spider-Man taking I, off his mask. But, he, but even in the comics, Cap has got his, his not his, his mask on for most of the time when he's fighting. You know? Yeah, true. I don't know. That That's just... That's a pet peeve of mine. I just hate having people take their masks off. Like friggin' Batman never takes his mask off in the majority of the movies that they've done at DC. You know, just just leave it on. A Black Panther's got to take his mask off. No, you know, it's like anyway. Let's end it. <laughs> no news. No news for you. <laughs> no news for you. Okay. Um. All right. So Jack, where can everybody find you? Uh, well, you know what? You can always send me an email at jackm at wdwnt.com. I mean, I know we've thrown a lot of ideas out there, but uh, honestly, I'd, I'd really be interested in feedback from our listeners to hear what do they think would fix, you know, the MCU. And like I said, maybe, maybe next week, you know, I'll make Joe have a main topic again and we'll do Star Wars. But, you know, what are you guys out there? You, you, hell, you've listened to us for how many years? What do you think would fix the MCU? You know, I'd be, I'd be interesting to hear. And maybe we'll, uh, what do you say, bring back viewer mail a little bit, Joe? Yeah, maybe. Um, I, you know, I was thinking, too, you know what also would be good? Is if they did good animated movies with Marvel characters. Well, we saw we saw two of them. Oh, you we mean Spider Verse tonight? Uh, that's really not the MCU though. What's the other one? Uh, Spider Verse and what? Which one? Beyond Spider, <laughs> the two Miles Morales. Oh, okay, movie. the two ones. No, but but you would think like you know give you know have Pixar or Disney give them a hundred million dollars, get some really good Marvel writers, not the current ones, you know. But just have like good writers like and do uh, an Avengers movie, you know, and make them look good. Don't make them look half ass like you see on Disney Plus. 
Or you know what? You're right too. I mean, if it was, there are some some storylines that would be super expensive to film, live action. But you know what? There are things like remember the Avengers Defenders War. I, I barely. Well, that's when uh, they had uh, there was a artifact that was split into six different pieces. So you basically ended up having a hero from the Avengers fight a hero from the Defenders. Like you had the Vision fighting the Silver Surfer in a volcano. Like, come on. You know, you had Captain America fighting the Samariner on a dock. You know, you had uh, Iron Man fighting Hawkeye somewhere. Like you had all these heroes fighting each other but you know what since it's animated you're not paying robert downey jr to fight you know yeah i i would say like like civil war you know like bring in the characters you couldn't bring in in the movie like the fantastic four the punisher um, right. the but, X-Men. Like, but that's just it the thing is now they have the rights to all these characters so use them in an animated movie you know, if you can't afford to make it live action, you make a good quality animated movie, give it to Pixar. You're right. Give it to Pixar and say, you know what? Here's this storyline. Go wild with it. I mean, like I said, the Silver Surfer fighting the vision in inside a volcano. We've seen what Pixar does with lava effects in like the... The Incredibles. I couldn't imagine how wild they could turn that into a fight scene. Or the here we go, the Hulk versus the Thing. That was the big fight at the end. Yeah, and, and it could it can do Star Wars animated movies too. Right. You know, like just use your head. Don't burn money. You know, I mean, you know, like like that friggin' Snow White movie is gonna make zero money. You know, oh well, that's that you're you're going into news territory because we could talk I know, about but that I'm just, just for another hour. You, know, you have to, there has to be, you have to be surrounded by good people and say, well, that sounds like it could make money. You know, all right, yeah, you're right. We're, but yeah, we're, we're going to start on another topic, and we're already yeah. two hours in. So, good night, everybody. Jack McCarthy signing off. Joe, wrap it up. Yeah, so you can find me at joe at wdwnt.com. You can send me an email or send me a fresh, uh, friend request on Facebook. I'm also on Rusty Junk. Last week we did The Abyss, uh, which was good. You know, I, I hadn't seen it in a while. And uh, next time we're doing Clue. Remember that movie? I remember that. That was another Everybody's In It movie. Yeah, do you remember the time there were four different endings? Yeah. And well, that was it. I remember in the theater, you didn't know which ending you were going to see, but when they broadcast it, it was like, it could have ended like this or yeah. like this. You saw all the endings on TV, but not back in the day. If you wanted to see it all, you had to go four times. And you had to be lucky because you'd go to the same theater and see two different endings or three different endings, you know? It's right. not like you had to see it like at one theater and then go to another theater to see the other ending. It was a fun way of marketing the film, you know, and also getting people to go back and see it. 
Um, but yeah, so that should be fun watching that. Um, and check out WDW News Today, Disneyland News Today, as well as Universal Parks News Today for all your Disney and Universal news. And finally, if you like our show and enjoy other WDWNT podcasts and like to become a Patreon supporter, please visit the WDWNT Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash WDWNT. So with that, this will be the end of WDWNT Nerd Alert Season 9, Episode 30. So until next time, see y'all. Good night, Miss Fedra, wherever you are. Yep, good night, Fedra. <laughs>